plugged in, Chris? I am plugged in. Welcome to the Plugged In Podcast. This is Chris Carley. I'm going with the government name today. <laughs> nice. Uh, and, and this is, of course, Joe Hawks. How you doing, people? The people are doing good. Before we go ahead and start, follow us on Twitter at Plugged In PCAST. I'm going a little, uh, what is it, Zero Dark Dark Horse 30? Zero Dark 30? LeBron. Zero Dark 30 to the LeBron mode. I'm uh, taking a little social media break. Hate to announce it, but uh, don't follow me on Twitter this week. Go ahead and follow <laughs> Joe Hawks. You follow me at JLHB510. Again, that's at JLHB510. And, of course, the Twitter handle for our Plugged In podcast as Plugged In PCAST. Again, Plugged In PCAST. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's the same on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram, actually, at Chrissy underscore Hustle. It's oh, the so same on my Twitter. So, it's gonna be so okay I still for, put something out there in the world. So it's okay for people to go to your Instagram page and follow Yeah, 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 because you're not going to be, I'm not going to be tweeting. You might why just, is that? You might get a because it's Instagram. Well, I can't tweet from Instagram. What about, why are, you, why, are you getting away, why are you getting away from the people from Twitter? What's going on? Because Twitter is kind of reckless, man. Twitter, you know, like, sometimes you just got to take a break from the, from the tweets, you know what I mean? Unplugged, huh? You every, just try every, to unplug from society? That's everybody love the tweets, but the tweets don't love nobody, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, we do. I mean, there are times you do need to just de- detach from social media. I got you. Yeah, man. I'm just, I'm just laying low right now. But um, we got an interesting episode today. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Chris Paul's interview with um, Taylor Rooks on, on her Bleacher Report. Uh, take it there. Pod, is it a podcast or is it a show? It's an episode, yes. It's an episode? Okay. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Steph Curry. He's got a comeback coming. Um, that was actually just pushed back a little bit, but we're going to uh, dive into that a little bit. Then we have a couple of headlines that we're going to um, delve into. But um, just off the bat, we have Chris Paul's interview um, with Taylor Rooks. What did you think of the interview? I actually liked it. I mean, you know, it was pretty much a refreshing look at Chris Paul. Um, you know, he just... He's no longer in Houston. He's leading a he's leading the Oklahoma City Thunder team into a I mean a, a phenomenal season. Uh, the guy the guy is just phenomenal. There are times where people will you know think he might be you know kind of pompous, uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of an arrogant guy. But I actually thought that this interview by Taylor Rooks was really good. I mean, it broke down about him possibly, you know, maybe joining up with LeBron and Co- and uh, Carmelo, um, and I believe in Miami. I mean, that almost came into fruition. But also what I was really, really excited about was the fact that he um, put together his ultimate point guard. And I think really um, a guy like him, he's a potentially will be a Hall of Famer. Putting a good uh, point guard together um, is, is pretty fun. I started to do it. Over, uh, I, I thought it was interesting because he started talking about like guys who could shoot, and he said Steve Nash, and he said, said Gilbert Arenas, who are two guys who could really shoot the rock. Um, but I think just the thing that obviously stands out about that is the greatest shooter of all time is playing right now in front of us, um, and he didn't mention him. He mentioned Kyrie he in, terms mention like the, Curry, exactly. in terms of finishing at the basket. But do you consider um, Steph Curry a point guard, though? Like, seriously, do you consider him? I consider him a point guard. I don't know. I mean, I don't consider him a shooting guard. Okay. Um, it was interesting because when he first came into the league, he was kind of like a combo guard, which is what it was was a term that people were using. Um, sure. But I, I would I would say that his passing ability would at least allow me to call him a point guard because I think he's a better passer than than 
most shooting guards. But I think the other thing that Chris Paul said that, that kind of struck me was that, like, we shouldn't really confine guys to the position that they play on the floor. We are in the he, was talk- he was talking about LeBron, you know what I mean? And LeBron sometimes just makes the right basketball play. Like, it doesn't matter if you're playing the point guard, the power forward, the point forward. Like, you know, like, we're, we're really in an age of where, like, the position that you play has dictated less about the, the, the type of game that you play on the floor um, because everything's just about, like, shooting, passing, beating your guy off the dribble. Like, a lot of positions can actually do that now. We we are in the age of positionless basketball. I mean, that's basically what we are in. Um, there are times where you might have a, um, a team that might have four four guards on the, on the floor at one time or, you know, maybe a point guard and – and, and three forwards and, and a center, maybe, you know, like they, like lineups, you know, are, aren't traditional in, in basketball anymore. So it was kind of interesting that he did put LeBron in there in, in terms of uh, in terms of ultimate point guards. Um, for me, I just think that the NBA's game doesn't go through the point guard like it used to. And, you know, it, um, traditionally, you never really, yeah. I mean, now you basically, you find the open man now, you know, yeah. the point guard, the point guard isn't, the quarterback on the floor like he used to be like the again the offense is run through the point guard like like it was intended to be yeah i think the other thing too um just kind of going back to like him playing in okc is that i knew that when he got traded there it was going to be an opportunity for him to be the point guard he'd been in the past i think that was taken away from him a little bit in oklahoma i mean oklahoma city in houston that's a good a, point a little bit that's a bit of an understatement james harden had the ball you know like I forgot what his usage rate was, but it, it's it's ridiculously through the roof. But given the fact that they actually had a pretty good roster, especially with the guys coming over from the Clippers and the Paul George trade, Shea Gilgis Alexander is the guy that I point to as the big piece of the Yeah, team. and then they just they they recently traded Gallinari to the. Are you still there? He's still there. Who yeah, I mean, there was the a magic? rumor about him going to Miami. But oh, no, okay. Gallinari's still there. He's still there, and so so I I mean I think that's going to be probably like. Chris Paul with with the Hornets when when he was getting those guys to the playoffs him and David West sure um, but it, I mean obviously it's going to have its limitations we're going to see how good Chris Paul is again but we're also going to see like how that's not going to turn into much come playoff time um, but you never know he could I mean they they might be able to shock some people they're going to be a team that nobody wants to play but I also don't think they're going to be a team that you know is going to threaten to 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 make any push beyond the the semis or the the Western Conference Finals. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can I can understand that. Um, I mean, they're I believe they're thirty seven and twenty three right now. Yeah. I mean, they they are they have been one of the best teams pretty much post um, December early or the really start of the year. Uh, they have they have actually exceeded a lot of expectations from people, uh, and and they will be a tough outcome playoff time. And I think really with the Chris Paul um, being brought on board, being traded for, it honestly, it renewed, you know, it really renewed his career and it also renewed the franchise because, I mean, they're definitely going, you know, they're moving past the Russell Westbrook, yeah. Kevin Durant. They're, they're way far from that era. Now it's just about, be, you know, re- reestablishing their brand. And they have, like, I believe over the next, over the next seven years, they have, like, 14 14 picks, first round picks. And this is a combination of all the trades they've yeah. made. So, so Oklahoma City is, it, you know, will be will be good. But Chris Paul, to me, 
if there was a, you know, I don't want to say a comeback player of the year because he didn't really go anywhere, but he's definitely somebody that could, I would say, definitely does deserve some type of uh, recognition or acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does. I mean, because, I mean, like, everybody thought that Oklahoma City was going to be uh, a run-in-the-mill team. They weren't going to make the playoffs. They were going to probably win maybe close to 30, 35 games, if that. Now they're they're potentially a team that could win uh, high 40s, maybe low 50s, and still give somebody in the first round a real t- uh, a real run for their money, maybe even win a first-round series. So, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, respect Chris Paul. Um, he's closest thing – he's the closest player to, to a traditional point guard that we have left in the NBA. So – for him to be able to come over to Oklahoma City and really, uh, and really um, shepherd that young that young crew to get them to uh, to, to, to a playoff uh, to a playoff spot is really remarkable. Yeah, um, kind of going back to the topic that we tested a little bit earlier in terms of um, using point guards from any era. Like, how would you build your point guard um, based on the five attributes that you mentioned? You mentioned IQ. Ball handling skills, scoring, passing, and defense. Let's go ahead and start with IQ. Well, for me, the IQ, I mean, it never hurts, but I would go with John Stockton. John Stockton was one of the smartest point guards out there. Um, knew where to put the ball right up uh, for Carl Malone or for any any of his scores. Uh, the guy was just smart, made the right play, rarely make, turned the ball over. And if he turned the ball over, it was like seeing Bigfoot right side up. I mean, it was just a rarity. Um he just was just that cerebral on the court. Uh, didn't look. He wasn't the biggest guy, wasn't the strongest guy, but damn, was he up there uh, running a basketball game. I, and like I said, John Stockton would. I would go with his IQ. What about you? I would go with Jason Kidd. Um, oh, I think. Point. I think Jason Kidd. I mean, he's probably my all-time favorite point guard in terms of just being a floor general. He took when he, when he played for the Knicks, he took. Um, Vince Carter, Kerry Kittles, Keith Van Horn, the Kenyon Nets. Martin, the Nets, yeah, the the okay. New Jersey Nets at go. the time. Um, back to back finals. Kenyon Martin, uh, what was the the big guy's name? Was it McCullough? Todd McCullough, my Tom, man. There you go. That that was McCullough on, yeah. on the on the Nets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, those were some squads, man. And and, and to be honest, like I thought it might have been one of the the most fun NBA finals had they would have been able to play against the Sacramento Kings. Wow. And, and you think about it, like that would have been unbelievable. The the, the Lakers ruined it for both the Kings and the Nets. To, I mean, if we're being real, because they beat the Nets in back to back seasons. Um, oh, Spurs, during, Spurs beat them one year. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Spurs beat the Nets one year, mm-hmm. or the Spurs beat the, the the Lakers. Spurs beat the Nets. Remember, because remember that talk about Tony Parker uh, possibly being traded for uh, for Jason Kidd because Parker yeah, was, I do yeah, remember that. Remember, Tony Parker didn't have a jump shot, and so the whole talk was that Jason Kidd would possibly be the guy that they would bring in to to yeah. to, to, to no, you're him. right because they beat they beat they beat. Um, the Pacers, they beat the the Sixers, and they beat the Nets. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, just kind of back to the topic of, like, IQ, I thought that Jason Kidd was one of the best point guards who couldn't – I mean, he was he was really a pass-first point guard. He was, like, yeah, one I mean, of the, the went, best went, facilitators. He went by Ace and Kidd. Ace and Kidd, he had no J. Yeah. <laughs> Cal guy. So another reason for me to even, like, you know, um, have him – in my you know, to be in his corner but he's he's definitely one of my all-time favorite point guards and I just think his ability to, to facilitate an offense um, to get 
guys in the right position to set up his passes just by being in the right spot so he could have like the right angle um to 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 get the guy the ball in the in the you know the the spot that he needed it um he's the guy that i would have as um the point guard um under iq okay well for me well since the next one will be ball handling skills it would be Jason Kidd. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about a guy that just seemed like he just had handle upon handles. I mean, just like I said about John Stockton barely turning over the ball, Jason Kidd was like that. But he just, you just felt really comfortable him facilitating the offense. You just knew that what you get from him, possibly 10, 10 you definitely know that you're going to get 10, 10 assists a game. Oh, you know, just that was just, that was just custom made. Uh, and then you know eventually he became a better uh, scorer, a better you know a better shooter. But Jason Kidd's ball handling skills was just top notch to me. Mm-hmm. I would probably go with Kyrie Irving just oh, because okay. of. I mean, I think it kind of speaks for itself, especially with like him, pretty much. I think Chris Paul in, with, uh, with I believe uh, brought up Kyrie Irving as a, as a guy that he that well, he liked as well. Kyrie having his. You know, all of his highlights kind of come up during an, an era where we started watching YouTube um, or where YouTube was already big, like all of his stuff was already available. But I think just in terms of like when you when you talk about like the best ball handlers in the game today, sure. it's it's him versus Steph. But I think Kyrie's handle is, is probably one of the best that I've ever seen um, just in terms of his change of direction and his 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 control he's never like he he has a really good pace to his play um which is something that that i always liked about Kyrie irving like he's never going too fast for himself um he goes at his own pace yeah yeah like sometimes like when i watch somebody like russell westbrook i really you know i like i'm a big fan of russ but Sometimes I feel like he goes too fast for himself. That goes back to his days at UCLA. He yeah, like he he's yeah. he's a freak athlete. Like he's like probably one of the best straight line runners in the NBA, um, as far as just like freak athletes. That's a good point. Yeah. But 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 in terms of like just ball handling, like I, I think Kyrie Irving would would take that um, take that area for me. I hear you. I mean, I think yeah, Kyrie Irving has had some does have a great flair for the, uh, for the dramatic. Doesn't turn the ball over a lot, but definitely, definitely uh, plays plays hard. He's, I mean, he seems like he just it just around the cup. He's just so it's so easy for him to finish uh, finish uh, scoring. The guy can you know layups with both hands. Um, finds he does he does find the open man. I, I will say that Kyrie is a willing passer. He does. He's a guy that that definitely sets up other guys for uh, for for success. But you know, when it comes to it, you know, him, Steph Curry, definitely two, two, two of the best ball handlers in the league. But also, you gotta remember, Steph does have has had his issues with turning the ball over. Sometimes he gets mm-hmm. a little too creative, too a little too uh, spectacular by trying to throw the ball behind his back and behind his head. I'm like, okay. Um, but I'll say this though, you know, the, both those guys, you know, are just tremendous. Kyrie Irving is definitely stands above the rest in terms of. So who you got for scoring? Scoring? Yeah, I'm going to throw a curveball here because I don't think no one really talks about this guy at all um, as in terms of a scoring point guard. Check Kevin Johnson was my guy. Okay. I love me I love me the mayor. I love me some the mayor. This guy, I mean, I remember him just, just dunking over Elijah one in the 94 playoffs. Um, he was just gritty. I mean, he was a guy that, to me, you always talked about 
you know, some of the best point guards coming up in the 90s. Magic Johnson, um, you had, of course, like a, a myriad of guys. Uh, uh, John Stockton, we just mentioned, Gary Payton, but Kevin Johnson, to me, was a guy that does not really get that much credit that he, that he rightfully deserves. Um, led Phoenix to their only finals appearance with Charles Barkley. The guy was just had just a motor, just played so well. And like I said, I just love the fact that he could either shoot three, he could take a good side on you, he could defend you. I mean, the guy was, was able to do it all. Kevin Johnson, to me, is one of the better uh, scoring point guards, point guards now of all time. Does Allen Iverson count? See, we don't see. That's the thing. That's like, I mean, can he be a two guard and off? I mean, let's just say he doesn't count because I think if he did count, like, I, oh, we both would have had him on there. Because like, I was, like, I was like, I was wondering. I was like, he must not count if you didn't go with Allen Iverson. No, and, and that's so, the thing. Like, and, and like I, and like I said, AI. I mean, he was a two guard, yeah. off guard. I mean, Eric Snow was his point guard. Okay? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna go with a guy who couldn't really knock down a three, but did everything else. And Tony Parker is my guy. Good, good one. Um, when with those championship teams, like he was, he was a monster. Maybe, maybe not the 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 team that beat the Heat when um, Kawhi was the MVP. Yeah, maybe maybe not that team. It was like towards the end of his run. But in in the two thousands, like he was just unstoppable. Like getting to the basket, his quickness was like unparalleled. Like there weren't any, there wasn't anybody who could stay in front of him. Um, he was probably one of the most explosive point guards in the league, and he had that, you know, like if you if you tried to stay in front of him, then he would just pull up and make that mid range shot. So it was like pick your poison with him because you could not stop him. That's a good point because I mean Tony Parker, remember, didn't have we were just we were talking about it earlier. Um, him and Jason Kidd, you know, two guys had their jump shots didn't come around until you know as they worked on as they worked on it later on in their career. Tony Parker. Tony Parker, if you really want to see how he, how much he really, really is worth for the Spurs, just go back and look at that finals back in 2007 against the, against the Cavs. Tony Parker was just unbelievable that series. You want to talk about a guy that pretty much just got the Spurs in the right spots, him. Um, Tony Parker, that, that finals against the Cavs, against the Broads, uh, the first time the Broads took a team to the finals, he was just unbelievable in, in, in that series. So I think really... Uh, Tony Parker, you can't you can't go wrong with Tony Parker as 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 uh, as one of the best point guards. All, all I got to do is ask Roberta, right? Oh yeah, you find yeah you you ask Miss uh, Miss Prater herself. She'll uh, she's probably right now pom poming uh, for Tony Parker. Like, why are we not talking about Tony? Parker? Yeah, I was I just remember like you know it was like oh she's an ultimate Spurs fan. We know this. She she was the only one that that was walking around Oakland High with a with a Tim Duncan jersey on. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's because I mean, and, 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 and to this day, she's still she's just she's still watching the Spurs. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a great franchise that that like I said has had multiple. You know, it's got potential Hall of Famers. Tony Parker, I think is it, I think really Tony Parker, Manu, that whole crew is going to go get in the Hall of Fame. I don't, I don't even like talking about the Basketball Hall of Fame because it's not like it's not a true back NBA Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. it's different. No, you're than, right. You know, like. Andre Iguodala is going to get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, which, which you can make an argument if it was you like a tougher Hall of Fame. If it was a tougher Hall of Fame, because it's not, it's not, it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the it's the basketball. Yeah. yeah, so it's like dudes who coach college. 
their no, entire I, careers I, I, tr- going to the me, basketball hall of fame. You there, know? I mean, again, this is the basketball hall of fame encompasses all of basketball. Yeah. But trust me, I've already said if this was a strictly an NBA Hall of Fame, a guy like my, a guy like uh, Yao Ming won't be in there. A guy like uh, even though I like Tracy McGrady, I still I'm borderline about Tracy McGrady being in the Hall of Fame. Um, it's just certain guys you just look at. It's like, how did you get in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Okay. But yeah. So that's that. I mean, just legitimately uh, saying, stating, uh, Tony Parker's going to get in the Hall of Fame, and uh, I mean, he's rightfully it is rightfully deserved. Okay. Who you got for passing? No brainer, Magic Johnson. No yeah. brainer. I don't even think that requires much of an explanation. No, no. Um, Magic Johnson. I, I had Magic Johnson. I mean, his name's not even Magic. His name is Irving. <laughs> you know, and, and because his name is Magic, that kind of just shows you what he... Like, you never really knew which way he was going to pass the ball. Um, I was watching some of his highlights last week, and um, surprisingly, there was his, his first game back against the, the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, where he just he had this sick fake on Latrell Sprewell when he was when he was you know rocking at number fifteen with the with the Warriors back in the day before he chucked out uh, PJ. Oh yeah. But um, he had this sick fake Spree on for him. three and I'm drunk. Yeah, free. yeah. And I mean, I just and, and, you know for the for for argument's sake, like if I were to pick somebody, because um, I don't want to pick the same person you pick, I would probably go with Steve Nash. You see, and and that's the thing too. You can't go wrong with uh, with. I mean, a lot of us will say Magic Johnson, but Steve Nash yeah. does man phenomenal passer. Uh, yeah, and, and he played with some of the greatest offenses that we've ever seen. It was just a team that didn't really play defense in this. You know, it was a it was a up tempo, fast paced offense that Same really didn't get less. the. Yeah. You know, they ran into the Spurs every year, so they couldn't. You know, like in and the Spurs, they would like hold those teams to like eighty, ninety points. You know, because they would just like slow it down and they were just like it was like it, it was a drag because all you did was like you threw it down to tim duncan and you you know you you work the clock for you know the entire possession you throw it down to tim duncan with eight seven seconds on, sure. on shot clock and then he gets his bucket you get back on defense and you just you, shot, you, you drag the game out the shot right off the back uh, right off the window um, easy, easy money for uh, for Tim Duncan. But yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. You know who else was a guy on my list that I that I thought about in terms of just like passing was um, at one point he was the NBA's all time leader in assists was Mark Jackson. I thought he was like a really you good. You know passer. what? Mark Jackson to me doesn't get you know doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, steals, um, assist. Yeah. Like the guy, the guy is a great is a great point guard, and I, if I'm not mistaken. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he, I mean, he... That guy should be in the Hall of Fame. If he's not, it's a travesty that he's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, and, and the thing, like, when he played in the 90s, um, I'm pretty sure that we're both going to have Gary Payton as the the the, the point guard yeah, for, and under the defensive category. Let's go, let's go ahead and just say Yeah, that. so, I, I mean, his, he has yeah. one of the best nicknames. Yeah, the glove. The glove. Yeah. You know, just, you know... Oakland's very own out of Skyline High School. We don't really mess with Skyline. You know, we Oakland <laughs> High guys. So, um, you know, he did go to Skyline, unfortunately. But, you know, he had some of the best shoes. He had the gloves come out when he uh, when he was with Nike. You remember the shoe that came out of the uh, out of the glove? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Six shoes, but but he he had games where he would give Jordan fits. Like, he, he, Gary Payton was one of those guys. It didn't matter who you were; he was going to be in your face the, all forty-eight minutes. 
in your face and talking. Like, he was just that annoying dude that, like, wouldn't leave. Like, he... Stick your guy. Like, don't leave him. Like, he probably walk with you to the locker room during halftime. You know, like, that type of defense. Um, I see you looking at Mark Jackson's not a Hall basketball. Not It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and this man is... Ooh, I'm not assist per game? Assist per game. The man had eight assists a game. Yeah. I mean... You know, and when you look at it on the NBA's all-time, on the NBA's all-time list, the man, if I'm not mistaken, is in the fourth. I believe he's fourth all-time in NBA in assists. And so when you look at it, I think the guy again, he needs to be. He's a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame. Because I, I remember when he when he was the the he's assist yeah, leader. Right. He's I, John Stockton passed him up. Um, did Steve Nash get past him? So the so the list is here. Um, John Stockton, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Steve Nash, and, and Jason Kidd, of course, yeah. And Magic Johnson, yeah, all time, yeah. And so I, I think part. Of, I mean, he didn't play for a period of time that kind of impacted like his numbers. For him to even be fifth on that list is like pretty incredible. Magic Johnson, yeah, yeah. And right, he there's a time, yeah, he he walked like he, away from the game, for yeah. A bit. So imagine if he doesn't walk away for the from the game a little bit and I mean yeah he probably is in the top three still yeah yeah um but yeah I mean Mark Jackson was was an incredible passer but yeah just I mean in terms of Gary Pettin like his his nickname kind of speaks for itself like doesn't make any yeah you're not getting getting past him and he was a physical defender too for a point guard and in, 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 in an era where you could able hand to check hand check and that's yeah. the thing I think honestly I think really with today's NBA that hand checking rule um, doesn't. It, it, they got to bring that back. They need. They need to bring, it, bring it back because back. you get you letting guys just run right by you to the cup, not giving you know not show not letting them know that you're there. I think honestly, there's only one person that probably gets away with hand checking, but he doesn't really do it. He does it, but he gets like I said, he gets away with it. Patrick Beverly is one guy that I just yeah. see that does it a lot, but he does it quickly. So that he doesn't get a foul call on him. Mm-hmm. The, ref, the refs, the refs, uh, he's smart. He, he makes sure when the refs are out of position is when he starts doing it. All right. So for IQ, Joe had Stockton. I had Kid for ball handling. Joe had Kid. I had Kyrie mm-hmm. for scoring. He had Kevin Johnson. I had uh, TP9, Tony Parker mm-hmm. for passing. He, we both had Magic, um, but we also threw Steve Nash and Mark Jackson in there. Um, as great NBA passers and for defense, it was unanimous. We both went with. There's no way that I mean, unless unless again, there's only one other point guard that I can remember that played as good as defense as uh, as um, as uh, God, Gary Payton. Gary Payton, sorry, <laughs> as uh, Gary Payton, and that's uh, Dennis Johnson, um, DJ for the for the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, a big body um, just stuck to you, like again, in an era where the hand checking was just. Was 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 legal, but now you can probably only say and and even Russell Westbrook would say Patrick Beverly's got you out full. Patrick Beverly's the only person, the only other point guard that I can think of that just that plays lock that plays really good defense. For somebody, I, I mean, I consider myself a huge John Stockton fan. I'm surprised that I don't have him anywhere on any of these. Why is that? Because I mean, I was I actually really like because in terms of like the Warriors being my team, they didn't win much when. When I was growing up, so I secretly had the Utah Jazz as my team that actually won. 
So you like so you like Stockton and Malone a lot? I like I love Stockton and Malone growing up. Like the pick and roll, <laughs> um, Stockton on defense, Stockton with the with the, the shorts that came all the way up to to, to your thighs, barely hold, barely holding the grapes together. The purple jerseys with the mountain the white mountains on them. Man, number twelve, uh, just just racking up the assists. A sneakingly good defender. He didn't he lead the NBA in steals. Does yeah. he lead the NBA in steals? I believe he's the NBA's assistant steals leader. Yes. We gotta look that up. I mean, really, John Stockton leads the league. He's an all-time leader in. He's got three thousand two hundred sixty-five steals, and and behind him is uh Michael Jordan. I don't even see how many steals he has. Let's see. Let's go down this list. Michael Jordan has. 2515. He has 700 more steals, 750 more steals than than Michael Jordan who's in second place. Yeah, I mean, it was just goes to show you. Yeah, well, yeah, so Jason Kidd, excuse me, Michael Jordan is third. Jason Kidd is second. Is he second? Yes. According wow. to According to the list I'm looking at right here. Okay. John Stockton's all-time leader in, in steals with 3,265. Ah, the list I'm looking at is from 2011. That's okay. why it's not updated. So this one right here, yeah, Jason Kidd has two, uh, 2,684, and then Michael Jordan, 2,514. How, how many seasons did Jason Kidd play to get that? Jason Kidd, I believe, played 15 seasons. Okay. That's how many – I mean, Stockton played 15. It took Jordan 10, 10 or 11 seasons to get that. So he probably could have been up there with five more seasons. No, yeah, definitely. There's no yeah. question about it. I mean, when you look at it, right, Chris Paul, seventh all-time in steals. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah, so, and the only center to be in this list, Akeem Olajuwon. Yeah, guy with great feet, great hands. I, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. Um, I mean, that kind of concludes our list for point guards. Another guy we didn't really have on any of our lists is Stephen Curry. Um and speaking of Steph Curry, I mean, if you, want to talk about, if you want to talk about shooting, I mean, we can we can throw shooting in there. We, yeah, we both will probably go with. Uh, Steph. It's kind of a subset of, of scoring, so it's like I mean, you can technically throw Steph Curry in as one of the best scorers because he he averages he averaged thirty points a game like his 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 unanimous year, mm-hmm. and so I think anybody who averages thirty points a game, I think it's a disservice to just like box them in as merely a shooter. No, you're absolutely right. Because he he also is one like he I, I think his scoring is very complete in terms of being able to shoot the three, being able to shoot the pull up jumper from mid range. He gets to the basket and he finishes fairly well at the basket. For um, a guy his size. For a guy right, his yeah. size, he doesn't take a lot of contact. He doesn't go looking for contact, and I think that's what's allowed him to stay healthy for a good portion of his career after the ankle injuries. Um Pardon the dishwasher. You know, I just finished uh, washing up today's dirty dishes in the background. But um, you know, in terms of a of, of a guy whose offensive game is pretty complete, I, I think the only thing, I, and I've talked about this before, but I think the only thing that he doesn't do on offense is have he doesn't really have a post game um, where you've seen like some really good point guard oh, Gary, yeah. Gary Payton, Baron Davis. You've seen them. Mark you've Jackson. Seen, yeah, you've seen them post guys up, and that's really the only thing that I haven't seen Steph Curry do. Um, but just you know, with with Steph Curry on the topic, he is set to return. His original return date was March first, but it sounds like the Warriors are going to take a bit more of a precautionary approach and set that back a little. Yeah, bit. they're saying that possibly that more than likely, it's actually more than likely that he that he's going to suit up on Thursday night against the Raptors. Um, they just 
the Warriors are really playing this card, uh, you know, really uh, playing this with um, with kick gloves. They're really they're really walking through this situation really on eggshells because don't get it wrong. They've already said they they've said that he's been ready to play. He's been re- he's been he's been going through individual workouts. Yeah, and he's healthy. But they just want him to get back into the speed of the game. They want to make sure that he is back, you know, that he's actually got some continuity with some of the uh, with some of his teammates that he doesn't know, because a lot of these guys are are constantly changed, being changed out of the system, or, uh, out of the lineup. So, so, so I think Stephen Curry himself that you know it'd be great that he will uh, that he eventually gets back and maybe with 20 games left, roughly for the season, maybe just to see how what, what else he has left, but. I, me personally, if I have, I'm gonna ask you this question first. Do you think the Warriors should bring back Stephen Curry? I think they should, man. I don't, I don't see. I think people are making a big deal out of him coming back to play 22 games, or or a little, a little bit more than 20, a little bit less than 22 games. Sure. Dude gets paid to play basketball. He's making forty million dollars a year. <laughs> Make the dude play, and then I mean, even in terms of of having a down season like the fans need something to watch i think um you know the warriors have already shitted on their fans by leaving you're not Oakland. bashing, you're not bashing uh, steph because he makes 40 million because i remember you know he liked to bash guys who make a lot of money no that's what i'm saying he should come back <laughs> he should come back like i'm not I mean, what am i gonna Garoppolo bash him for this conversation but, but steph curry hasn't played the year he played he played 20 years i mean 20 20 games a season if that i think he's only paid like what yeah, I mean, if he, pl- I mean, for the yeah. for his sample size this year, I would completely shit on the guy because he makes forty million dollars a year and they had a losing record while he was playing. He makes top dollar and his team isn't performing as such. I mean, I could make excuses for him because he has another guy making top dollar and Clay Thompson that's not playing as well. Like you have guys that, you know, you you have a top tier quarterback in the NFL and you take away his ten fifteen million dollar receiver, which is top dollar for that position. Sure. And, and, of course, their numbers are going to go down and the team's not success isn't going to do as well. You know what I mean? And so, like, you take Steph Curry off the team or you take guys around him who make a lot of money off the team and and the team's overall success is going to, you know, be impacted. And I think a lot of guys are being prisoners at the moment and pretty much digging at Draymond Green as a – it's low-hanging fruit to me. You know, I think it's it's a season where, you know, of course his assist numbers are down. Who is he passing the ball to? You know, like Joe Lake open for him. Right? He's not playing in a lot of meaningful games, and you know, I think it's a really easy thing to to kind of use Draymond Green as a scapegoat when he was never really a centerpiece to any championship that the Warriors won. I think he's like he's been an integral piece, like a really like complimentary piece to the team at the same token he does make would he get an extension for four years 100 million so he's making 25 million a year um which is a lot of money to be paying somebody for that's the going rate the nba now though yeah and he doesn't really because 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 the thing i like about him is that he does a lot of stuff that doesn't appear on the stat sheet and yeah like he he'll foul the guy hard for coming to the basket he you know like in the past, he's I don't want to like glorify him kicking anybody in the nuts, but he's you know he's done that in the past. Um, he's diving for the loose balls. He's yelling at guys, and a lot of that stuff takes 
you know, goes into like a negative light when you're losing. You, you hear it all the time. Winning cures everything. So a lot of his quote unquote leadership turns into, um, you know, it just has a, it, the optics of it are very bad when you're losing and you have a guy that's yelling at guys. So that turns um, that become that 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 basically what, what used to be passion on a winning team turns into bad sportsmanship or, you know, being a diva on a losing team. You know what I'm saying? No, I get you. And I mean, really, with Draymond Green, I mean, yeah, this is a season where, you know, Steph, Clay, both guys are, you know, are, are dealing with injuries or pretty much uh, missed the majority of the year. And a lot of people are pointing the finger at Draymond because he's not, you know, not playing better. You know, he's not, they, they call him a superstar, even though I don't believe he's a superstar. He's a great, he's a good foundational piece for a championship team. But he, when, when you talk of superstar, I'm talking about a guy that is basically, the ball is almost in his hands all the time. Like yeah. I'm talking about trying to win you a game. Uh, stop the other team from winning the game, um, getting other guys better. Draymond does that in his own way, but he's not a superstar. So yeah. for, for everybody to come down his road about he doesn't like he's interested. Well, and, 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 and to the people who come down his road, I would have the question, what is it that he can do? Like specifically, like should he be scoring 28 points a game? And I ask that rhetorically because he's not going to score 28 points a game. Should he be, you know, facilitating and having 10 assists a game without sure. Steph and Clay Thompson? Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, like, should he be better defensively? I don't know what his defensive metrics are at the moment, but I'm not, you know, I, I haven't watched much of the, I'm, I'm one of the reasons that the NBA's ratings are down this year because I don't tune in. Um, you know what? It, it might actually—that's it, it, not actually true. It might be because I watch more games on Reddit, sure, than actually tuning in. And I, you know, games that are watched on Reddit don't really go towards the NBA's ratings. I mean, really, I mean, yeah, they, like we all know, the NBA's ratings are down because of what's happened to with the Warriors, um, injury injury-wise. Because I mean, just imagine the Warriors were—I think coming in this season, they had probably maybe the most primetime games. Yeah. Uh, not even prime time games, the most nationally televised games, I should say. They had like 40 some, some odd games next to the Lakers. I think they had like yeah. 41, 39, somewhere, somewhere around there. You know, you know, the other thing, too, is that I have noticed a lot of people who have gone away from cable. And so I think that probably has a large part to do with Good the point. NBA's numbers going down. Like I said, I watch a lot of games on Reddit. I know a lot of people out there have started using Reddit streams. We're in the on-demand age where pretty much you're not waiting. You're not rushing. You're not waiting for the game to come on. No, you're not rushing. Home. Like you get off at work. Say you get off at work at like four o'clock. Whatever. Yeah. You know the big game is coming on at five five thirty. So you're not rushing home to try to keep right in front of your television to watch yeah. it live. You can pretty much go do some run your errands and knowing that you have the DVR going. And, and come and, back watching speed through the commercials. Yeah, and in NBA big cities, like it's harder to. I mean. It's not harder to fill an arena, but when you go to a game, like you pretty much, you can't block out three hours, four hours worth of time towards a game. Like you literally have to, like from the moment you get off of work at five o'clock, you pretty much have to prepare to sit in rush hour traffic, spend 45 minutes in line to get your parking or, you know, in, in the Bay Area to get on BART 
just to yeah. get to the arena. No, I, we right. haven't been to the new arena, so you take in BART and then you take in the T train just to get to the Chase Center on Third Street across the street from UCSF. Um, and so that's like that's a time consuming thing for anybody who wants to go to a Warriors game and watch at the Chase Center. But in terms of like drawing, you know, the TV audience, um, I think a lot of that probably has to do with the, like you said, the on-demand age and, and the customers who are getting rid of their cable packages. Cutting the cord. Yeah, they're cutting the cord. They're, they're, you know, a lot of people purchased Disney Plus recently where they get ESPN Plus and, and, and Disney, everybody's on Hulu. Hulu's offering live sports and, sure. you know, that's free, free uh, advertising for them. Um, but a lot of people watch their sports on Hulu can't watch sports on netflix all the other streaming services so i I mean i wouldn't be surprised if if there are numbers that kind of show that trend that parallels with the nba's ratings being down it's funny you say that because i mean outside the main nine to five the main bread and butter is i work for nielsen i work i work for the ratings company so there are times where i pretty much know really like Pretty much the homes I deal with, they are going to be pretty much a, cut, uh, a home that either does have subscribes to over-the-air television, they just have an antenna, or they'll have maybe, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they may have um, Apple TV, you know, Amazon Prime, or any really, or Google uh, Chromecast. They'll have some type of streaming service, some type of uh, streaming app that they're, they're going to watch their games on and stuff like that now. So that's why, you know, the tr- uh, traditional traditional way of watching sports has changed. So when it comes down to it, the NBA is losing ratings, not just because of, you know, the, the issues are going on with the Warriors and, 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 and their injuries, but they, it's a younger generation also that is willing to pay for cable like they used to anymore. Pay for, they're, they're willing to pay for internet because pretty much you need uh, every home. I, there's, there's not that many homes I'll step into that doesn't have internet. I mean, nowadays at, at your home Wi-Fi, so that's why now with the NBA, they are offering your games on your streaming services. Mm-hmm. Your, your, like I said, your Apple TVs. So that's why I think really when you look at it with, from a rating standpoint, sure the you know the Warriors having a bad season. Whether twelve and forty-seven, I believe right now, they're they're having a bad season because of you know one of their one of the faces of the league. Uh, Steph Curry is not is not playing, and, and Clay Thompson, and Clay Thompson, yeah. who is also um, you know is not a major face in the league, but people know. Yeah, he's a major face him. in the league. He is. He is. Like I, I mean, like when you say major face, is he up there with a LeBron? Is he up there? He's not. He's not like. That's what I mean by major face. Yeah, but but I'm I'm saying like he. I think I would say he's a top five two guard in the in the league. Oh, that's no no no. Yeah, right. and no, so it's just like arguing about the, about being his, a positional uh, being a position of being a be, uh, best two guard or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that he's not. He's not. I, I get what you're saying. Like he's but, not the icon. He's no, not right. icon status. But you. But definitely, when you turn on, but you, if you do turn on an NBA game, you do turn on an NBA game, you may see. Uh, you may see a step. You know, you definitely know who Clay Thompson. is. You know, yeah, the, the casual fan will know who Clay Thompson is. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I mean by yeah, he's not a guy that okay, yeah, he's up there with LeBron on a billboard. You know what I'm saying? Like when when you produce when you're when you are previewing an NBA game or or when you see those commercials for like um, 
Dish Network about or uh, DirecTV about you know subscribe to the NBA. He's not one of those guys that's going to be in a commercial mm-hmm. that's going to try to push the uh, the NBA's play. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. But definitely, Clay Thompson. It, you know, with him being out and Clay being, oh, excuse me, and Steph being out, it has hindered the NBA's um, product. It yeah. has. With uh, with twenty two games left, man, what you think the Warriors are going to do? You know what? There are twenty two games left, um, and then this is assuming that 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 Steph does play. You know, maybe the final quarter of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now they're they they have the absolute worst record. In so they're right now they have like the best chance of um, landing, of landing the lottery the, pick. The, yeah, landing the top pick. They're gonna yeah. have fourteen, a fourteen, uh, the best percentage. But even even then, like you could have the worst. The Knicks had the worst record in the league last year, and I, I believe um, they the percentage, they got the, third, the uh, pick overall. Yeah. Well, the probability of landing the number one pick with the worst record is like fourteen point seven percent. And that's what I'm saying. The Warriors are gonna have. They're gonna they're gonna have like the best odds of landing a, a pick, and so really, I mean, I, like you, we were just you were just talking about how Steph should come back and play. Me personally, I don't think he should come back to play. Yeah, because look at it. I mean, you've already ruled out Clay for the year, which we pretty much you and I were kind of talking about this before the season started. That there's no way that he, I don't think that I can't see we couldn't see him playing uh, Clay Thompson, but with Steph. Okay, maybe if you want to you want to you want to uh, placate to to the uh, to the uh, season ticket holders, whatever. Okay, maybe bring him back. But me personally, since we already know that this is what has been coined what a, uh, a a gap year. You know what, Steph? You, we know that you are the face of the franchise. We know that you are you know the straw that stirs the drink. Whatever whatever analogy you want to use. Do you guy. think guys should play in the Olympics, Joe? Yes, he should play in the Olympics. But why? Why he, should he play in the Olympics? Because why right, should anybody play in the Olympics? Well, well, well. One, I mean, Steph doesn't have an Olympic gold medal yet, so that's okay. the reason why I think he should play. Yeah. Because pretty much that outside of that, the MVP of the of the NBA uh, Finals is the only two wars that Steph doesn't have. But I think really, if he wants to play in the Olympics, go ahead and do so because really that right there will help him get himself ready for training camp. Come him and Clay. Him and Clay both should play. Draymond should not. Now, and like I said, he's on the the roster for the Olympic team, uh, but I don't think he should go over and play because he looks. This is to me. Draymond looks out of shape. Looks tired. Um, <laughs> he probably he, is out of shape. It, it's the thing. Like, last year he ain't, last year he didn't even get into shape until this time of year. And that and that, and right there and you and you saw it and you saw when he got into shape how the Warriors took off pretty much yeah. I mean, outside of the. Outside of the finals, Draymond was – you could argue that Draymond could have been the MVP of the Western Conference playoffs for the Warriors because he did everything for him. But I will say this. If he if he is cut from the uh, NBA, uh, from the um, Team USA roster, it will be a blessing because he's a guy that definitely needs the rest. He's This is the first time that he'll, he won't have a winning record in all the time he's played basketball. At Michigan State, every year they've gone to at least the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16. Never had a losing season. This year, with the Warriors being such a trash bag team, this guy can 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 with seasons over rest, rest. It might be something mental with him, but I think with with him, yeah. I think really it's more so he just is just out of shape. He's just tired, and and Steph and Clay are not there, not being there with him. It kind of has not made the game of basketball fun for him. 
Yeah, they're probably going to win like three or four games in the last 22 games. So we're saying 15 and uh, what's that, 67 maybe? Whatever, man, just chalk up the season. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's nothing meaningful. I, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm still of the camp, that I'm still of the belief that Steph Curry should probably play a little Why? bit. To get some time in with Wiggins or, you know, like just to come back and give the fans, I, I still believe that the fans deserve you know, a better product than what they've gotten. A lot of us fans, like, haven't even been watching because we've gotten so spoiled with how well the team's performed in the last five years. Okay. Um, but it's one of those things where just, like, at the end of the campaign, you want to see you want to see something that's going to resemble a glimmer of hope next year because not only are, you know, the, the, you know, the mainstays of the team coming back, sure. you're also, like, coming back amidst of, all the talk that the dynasty is over, like the Warriors are never going to win another sports, title. That's, that, but that's the way sports are. I mean, you got to remember, like last year, okay, this time last year, the Warriors were, you know, meandering, going to the going to the playoffs, whatever, and then eventually everything turned on. Okay, we understand it. But the way that sports works, if it's basically what have you done for me lately? I mean, the Warriors right now, I mean, like I said, they have, they have you, they have me out there playing, uh, Playing with uh, Kai Bowman, playing with Jordan, you know Jordan Poole. So they have every they have they have just guys coming off the street to play. So I mean, you throw Steph out there, sure. I mean, okay, it, it'd be great, you know, just kind of a little morale booster. But I mean, what? And if you ain't 15, if, if you not hurt, get your ass on the court to play. With with with, uh, with, um, with Andrew Wiggins is really going to just make it's really going to just if you make not, set stuff in motion for next year. You really if you that? not hurt. Get your ass out on that court and play. Okay. Well, I mean, we know this. But really, do you really believe him coming out there for the last 15, 20, minutes, 20 games is really going to make the Warriors that much better heading into the offseason? Joe, if you're not hurt, get your ass out there and play. I hear you. But again, <laughs> again, my question my question is, still is not answered. Do you really believe playing Steph Curry last 15 to 20 games with Andrew Wiggins is really going to make this team better going into the offseason? Is Steph Curry hurt? Again, I mean, like I said, we are, we are, we like. Look, the laughter in the background from Damari is even. It's, it's right there. It's a pure indicator that he even he agrees with me that there, there's no question that Steph Curry should not come back and play this year. I mean, like I said, we're going to continue to push this this injury, his his return date, back into the middle of March. So, so, so Draymond Green shouldn't play the rest of the season. Andrew Wiggins shouldn't play the rest of the season. Steve Kerr should probably not even coach. He should probably just go home and rest his back. You don't think he wants to? Right, he probably does. He, he honestly, he wants to probably coach the game from the couch. He should fucking let the players coach then, because the the funny thing is that I was like, man, I would love to see Steve Kerr try to do that players coach bullshit that he pulled with the Warriors, like at a point where they're losing. Like you, you, you was. Well, I don't you even let Andre against the Lakers. Then. You let Andre. Draymond Green gets himself thrown out the game. Man, that would have been a perfect. That right there would have been a perfect opportunity for Draymond Green to 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 get the the grease board like he did before and 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 be able to coach this young squad. Like, yeah, you let sense. Andre Iguodala coach that team when y'all was fifty and ten or whatever record y'all was at the time. Like, and you like let it. somebody let somebody coach right now. Okay, well then go ahead and. Uh, Insert player here who uh, who Jordan Poole. Go ahead, Jordan Poole. Go ahead and pull that uh, that clipboard up for me. Draw draw, draw uh, th- uh, four corners for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. man. Like I said, Steph Curry and hurt. Get your ass on the okay, floor. Okay, well, how about this then? 
Steph, you don't got to play. Go ahead. You 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 were just talking about him coach uh, somebody coaching. Let him coach. Yeah, let, let him Steph be, coach. He can be players coach. Yeah, why not? Yeah, get call the timeouts. Go to the sideline. Drop. No play, question. Whatever. Right. Hey, yeah. Draymond, we need to go in two three zone right here. Yeah, we got to get away from this Warriors talking. We got to talk about these. High, <laughs> we got to talk about these headlines. And first up, we got the um, first black um, crew chief in Major League Baseball. Kerwin Danley and Alfonso Marquez, two guys. Um, uh, Kerwin Danley and um, and Alfonso Marquez first be- became the first minority uh, crew chiefs in all of uh, baseball history. Um, Kerwin Danley, um, first African American um, umpire to be the crew chief of his own uh, of a crew, and Alfonso Marquez is the first Latino um, to run his own crew. So it really comes down to the fact that. Baseball is really behind the, the times here. I mean, I mean they, they do a lot of these promotions for you know for guys who are retired, like just like any job, retired. It sounds like they need to fucking Rooney rule for for MLB umpiring. You you might be you might be right on that, Chris. I mean, you want to talk about a Rooney rule for for MLB now? Like who's right even there, who's even behind hiring these guys? Damari as the crew chief. Damari is. No, seriously. Though. I mean, like, no, seriously, seriously. I mean, you really, you really don't know. We don't. Yeah. You really, don't, you really don't know who's uh, behind it. But again, the way these appointments here, it comes down to um, really retirements, guys who get fired or whatever. But you yeah. want to know some funny shit though? Just like, could you imagine a coach coming out of the dugout, or even like a player arguing a call? And just screaming. I mean, we've seen it before, but just like getting into, you know, like a black umpire's face, I would just like want to see how that would differ from getting into like the face of a white guy, you know, just in terms of like the cultural dynamic, like, like you're not about to get in my face with all that bullshit, bro. Like, I don't expect like the umpire to react differently, but in a sense, like, you know, you've even seen like white umpires yell back at MLB players, MLB stars, like "Get the hell out of my face!" All this different type of stuff, right? But I, for some reason, I don't have like a lot of like pictures in my head of players and coaches going after a black umpire who's made a controversial call on the field. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I, like, I remember some of the great, you know, just player umpire run-ins. Who can forget when? Um, when Roberto Alomar, when he played for the Baltimore Orioles, just that third spits. strike. Oh my God! What was it? The third strike in the playoffs? No, 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 in the Empire's uh, yeah. face. Yeah, like you want to talk about, like seriously? You want to talk about a guy who is a Hall of Famer, two two World Series rings, just literally just from the bowels of his stomach, just spits right up in the umpire's face. You want to talk about disrespectful? Like, you try that in the NFL, guys are getting thrown out for a year, for maybe years, you know, getting blackballed. Um, but with baseball, I, yeah, you, you see umpires and, and managers and players um, argue with each other all the time. But this one right here is going to be interesting. But Kerwin, Danley, uh, Ker, Kerwin Danley is a guy that had commands so much respect. Former, He was Tony Gwynn's uh, um, roommate in college. Uh, Bud Blacks, um, the the manager of the Colorado Rockies, um, manager. He was a roommate of his. 
uh, teammate of Tony uh, Tony Gwynn. Excuse me. Yeah. But this guy has been all over baseball for years, and he, I mean, he has he has like a strong um, strong respect from 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 his peers and from uh, players around the league. Yeah. I mean, I think just back to the topic of of you know these guys being the first black um, crew chiefs in the in the major leagues. Sure. Um, it does show you how behind the eight ball like the the majors is like it's been almost 80 years since Jackie Robinson became the first black player in major league baseball yeah and so it's it, it's weird because I feel like a lot of people look at these guys becoming the first crew chiefs in a different light as Jackie Robinson becoming the first black player in major league baseball like why are we not looking at you know, the fact that... Do we have any black owners of any Major League Baseball teams? No. You know, point exactly. Like, there, there's no. just a lot of... There's a lot of just, like, I, I think inherent racism that is built into baseball that doesn't get discussed. And I think that's a major, you know, component of, of why baseball isn't really a sport that's held in high regard sure. when you look at you know, inner city communities within, you know, it's, it's a huge sport, like for the Latino, Latino community outside of the United States and probably even within the United States. But I think like, just in terms of like the sports that are being like marketed to like inner city youth, right. Um, it's not baseball. No, no. And, and I mean, when you look at it, even though baseball is supposed to be one of the easiest sports to play, I mean, all you need is a stick and a ball and a couple of kids and, and some gloves. Not even really. honestly, there's been times where you know you played ball in the street, you didn't have a glove. Yeah, you better catch that thing with a pair of hands. <laughs> you know, you're the only person that had a glove maybe was a catcher, if that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, so when it comes down to it, baseball has it needs to finally get its act together and yeah. really be more progressive. Yeah, and it also kind of seems patronizing to, to, you know, I think the black audiences that watch baseball to do this shit during, like, Black History Month. Sure. It's kind of, I mean, it, I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, it's like some people view it as progress. I think the people who want to feel like, you know, this country is a lot more advanced than we should kind of view it as po- progress. But I kind of look at it like, really, it's like, it's been 80 years since the first black player came into the major leagues. Wow, it's 80 years already? Yeah, 1948. That's about, uh, I might be 70, 72. But seriously, that because, well, it just also automatically shows you how fast time just moves. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, it's, it's 80 years since then, and this is the first, these are the first black crew chiefs in the major leagues. Black and leagues. Latino, yes. Black and Latino. And, and so, and to me, it's mind-boggling. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a step in the right direction. But at this point, you you wouldn't expect any professional sport to be taking steps. Like you would kind of ex- you you would have expected those expected those steps to already be have been have uh you would have expected that to happen already by now. You're absolutely right. So I mean, I think that I, I mean, we got to move on to the next highlight, but or headline. But you know, I think this is something that's a little you know it's it's happened a little too late, but better late than never. No, that's, good. that's a fair, fair point to say. But, but next up, man, we got this this dude on the Cleveland Browns. If it's brown, flesh it down. Um, you know, the, the, the strange car ride where he had 
How much marijuana do you have in the damn car? 157 pounds. Well, they run it off 159.9, excuse me, but 157 pounds of, of marijuana in his tr in the trunk of a, of a, well, excuse me, in the back of a, of a 2020 Chevy Tahoe. Yeah, so I see this in two things. I see, I look at this in two ways, right? So the, the act and the person involved, Greg Robinson, is stupid. It's, it's really stupid. Stupid, like it, it. Joe is stupid. I mean, like I said, we're both pro marijuana. Yeah, I mean, and, and so and I, honestly, like I said, hey, it's it's fine because let's be let's let's be real about it. Outside of baseball, a lot of these like a lot a, a lot of these sports uh, bodies are starting to get away from drug testing for marijuana. Excuse me, that is on me right there, but. They were, you know, they're starting to, you know, not test for marijuana because, again, marijuana, they, they see it as, you know, not a drug that's going to be harmful on the field or in mm -hmm. the field of play. But when you're starting to be a person who's going to sell it, I mean, you're a professional football player. So you, his payday was going to come up. So for you to say, hey, <laughs> with, 23, uh, with 23 jars, mason jars in the car... You really believe that he was just going to just distribute to to me, you, and a couple other people? Nah, he's literally trying to sell. I don't know, man. I mean, I at one point in my life, I was smoking a lot, so I, you know, yeah. maybe in my college years, he might have been might have been selling that stuff to me back when it was illegal, you know. In my college days, he would, he would have been probably he probably would have been one of my closest friends. Probably. I might have, I might have went down with him. Like, uh, where you at, bro? We supposed to meet up, like. <laughs> but would would you would you be willing to take that long car ride across state lines? That and that's 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 where I said that's where I think that this knowing was that you have that in the back inherently stupid. <laughs> like I don't think anybody who gets you know whether you know his his intent was to distribute the marijuana, which you know is that that big of a a deal. I, I mean, in Louise, in, in the Bible Belt, it probably is. So you know, the authorities down there, they gotta do whatever they gotta do. Right. But but I think because we're in such a different time, where like we have all this research on the lack of reliable information that actually says that marijuana has a harmful effect on people is out there. Like you shouldn't be smoking marijuana and getting behind the wheel of a car. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not denying that, but, you know, for anybody to be facing 20 years, um, for, especially with product where, where street value is going to be barely like 260. Yeah. And I'm sure like, you know, I'm sure all the laws and stuff are ribbon into, you know, their state, you know, and federal laws and all that, um, behind like the, the reasons behind this guy's facing up to 20 years in prison. Sure. But I still think just inherently like that's that's stupid for anybody to to be facing that type of type of time. No, I'm and I and I'm and I'm all agree and I agree with you on that. But that's again, this is state. He took this marijuana off of state lines. Yeah, across state lines. But so that's what I'm. Saying. I'm not saying that he's not fuck. He's not a fucking imbecile. Like <laughs> I, am, I agree with you, dog. Like that shit was stupid. I mean, it's. Like again, you are a guy who plays in the NFL. Nineteen hundred guys, on average, play in the NFL, and out of that nineteen hundred, about a good, say five percent to ten percent make 
a good a good amount of money, like in the millions, you know, get, yeah. that, get that real big money. This guy was a free agent, and he's offensive lineman. You're telling me you play a position where it's always in high demand. You weren't going to get a couple of dollars, like more money, more money that's going to be that that to you that would have blown out whatever sale you thought you were going to get from the sell uh, from the weed that it would have blown, it would have blown that out the water. So like a team, a team needs offensive linemen. They, they're going great for you. Ten million, easy. Like All I, that guaranteed. Come on. Like it, I said, it, man. Imbecile. You're right. If if it's brown, flush it down. They don't make brown weed no more. So you know, obviously, Especially I'm talking about the definitely the, the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Dude, this that was stupid, man. Let's next next headline, man. Take three headline. McGruff, the crime dog actor, gets jail time. See, when when I saw this, I mean, again, I was just. <laughs> you you said this was you you did this Google search based on a commercial. Yeah, I was watching the commercial. You know, it was funny because I I was looking for the activity. You know, when the McGruff commercial comes on, you you know gives you the, uh, you know gives you the idea of possibly getting a activity book, whatever, and. Uh, and I and when I saw that, I was like, "Huh, I ain't had you know McGruff still around." Oh, okay. So I Google searched McGruff. Before you before you continue, I'm just gonna take this five second break to uh, crack that next one. Go ahead and tell them what that what, the, what it is that you're drinking there. Chris. This is the Golden State Cider, 100% fresh pressed West Coast apples with cinnamon. No, no, no with champagne yeast. There you go. Yeah, we would usually do the IPA, but you know, I thought about let's switch it up, do a little, uh, little crisper, cleaner taste here. Yeah. But when you come down to it, when you look at it, I just, I mean, I couldn't believe it. You know, I did it. Like I said, I did a Google search. McGruff the crime dog, boom, pops up. The man's up there facing what 14, 16 years or something like that for uh, for for a litany of uh, of issues. I mean, this guy had a. This man had a what, an armory pretty much in his uh in this in this place. The man had like he gets arrested. And this was know. 2014. This was six years ago. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at it, when you look at it, 26. Yeah. It was and we don't we don't even see how much weight he was carrying, but it says a thousand marijuana, marijuana plants, plants mm-hmm. twenty seven weapons, including a gl- grenade launcher, and nine thousand rounds of ammunition from his home. Like, where was this dude going? You know where he was going? I mean, he was honestly, he I think he was probably, uh, <laughs> to be real with you, I think this guy was up there setting himself up for a small war or something like that. Because, I mean, with that much weight and that many rounds, I mean, was he expecting somebody to come in and, and crash the, uh, the place? Like, he was going to really just hold him up and, uh, and, uh, and really just you know get stuck up like I mean I, like I said a thousand a thousand marijuana plants and nine thousand rounds of ammunition he, he he had somebody looking for him hold on a second yeah I mean come on now like that is a lot of right there that's like the crime dog is McGruff the crime dog actor Chicago Illinois six five six five two that that McGruff. So when you, when, I mean, some you know your childhood has been has been stained now because I remember just seeing every commercial. I remember just commercial growing up to seeing him, you know, the cartoon version just pop up, 
you know, telling people, hey, stay off drugs, you know, if you report a crime, you know, if you see a crime, report it. Um, you know, he had the he had the trench coat like uh, like my man Robert Stack from uh, Unsolved Mysteries. You know, like hey, that guy, like McGruff was a guy that was a, was was a character that you felt comfortable with, that you felt like, hey, <laughs> you know, he like <laughs> he wants me maybe not even become a cop, but he definitely wants me to be aware of like of of, of crime in my neighborhood. So I've always been. I was shocked when I came across this. Yeah, man. Um, the uh, the next highlight, the next headline that we have up is the ex Baltimore mayor Catherine Pugh gets three years in prison for children's books fraud scheme. Yes, I mean it was funny because the um, the the prosecution was looking for four years. Her lawyer wanted her to do a year and a day. And the judge was like, nah, too many, you know, too, too many issues that came up from this. We're going to do three years. And a woman, the, the ex-mayor, she's 69 years old. So she's not going to get out till she's 72. And I mean, I mean, it was funny to me because this is a children's book. <laughs> this is a children's book that you pretty much, uh, you pretty much, you know, got you know, defrauded. And. And it was so many grammatical errors. Like I'm an English major, and when I saw when I saw those, when, you know, when I read into the, the the article a little bit more, I'm thinking to myself like, who gave like how were, how did you able to get this past anybody? Like seriously, like how are you able to get this past anybody and thinking this is and thinking that this is going to be you know okay to you know try to scam you know scam people with. Come on, like tax evasion? Like seriously? Fraud, like, tax evasion, and conspiracy. Yeah, her self-published Healthy Holly children's books to generate more than eight hundred thousand in income while failing to deliver tens of thousands of books to the youngsters. Like how disgusting is that? Like seriously? Like you took the money and then and the kid you can't and the kids don't even get a copy of the book? How disgusting are you? Like seriously? Like you are. You were a mayor of a major U.S. town. Matter of fact, one of my favorite shows, The Wire, from Baltimore. The Wire. You know, she. I remember her talking about how, how much that show put such a negative light onto the city because it was under her uh, regime. Stop it, lady. You were, you, were, you were absolutely disgusting by taking, you know, the money that you made from the book and keeping it for yourself and not giving the kids that... The, the book was intended for a copy like kids don't read anymore are you serious it's, it was ridiculous when I, when I, I thought it was, it was funny because she got the three years but she was really trying to just get off uh scot-free with good time served so in addition to the three years in prison that the judge imposed um she got three years of probation and ordered pew to pay four hundred and eleven thousand dollars no, $411,948 in restitution. <laughs> and for she had to forfeit 600000 including her home in Baltimore, and nearly $17,800 from her campaign account. She got cleaned out. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much all the money that shouldn't have been hers in the first place. Again, and it's funny because 
again, The Wire, one of my favorite shows. This feels like an episode of The Wire here. It does. I mean, she pretty much tried to pocket the money that wasn't hers and try to get away with it. It's, I'm telling you, this is seeming like an episode where... It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's horrible. It's, it's, it's like, it's heinous. Like, everything you, like, everything you look at is like, with, with this lady, like, come on now. Like, are you serious? When I, when, again, it's, it's just sad because this is a children's book. <laughs> it's, just for, it's, intended, it's intended for kids. And I thought it was funny because, like, the mayor, she was really pleading, like, hey, I just, I just really just deserve to be in prison for a year and a day. And I've already served my, you know, served some time for good behavior. Nah, you ain't getting away with that. So three years, rightfully so, lock her up. Throw away the key. Um, Throw away the key. Last but not least, man, we got Travis Kelsey. Um, embracing the opportunity to make his visit to the White House. So let me. Uh, so before we go into that, let me ask you this question: Does it matter who's in the White House for you to visit them? I think it does matter. I think you know, like, How so? I don't believe in the salute the rank and not the man mm-hmm. philosophy because you know, like it. I don't. Think I I don't believe that 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 the president is somebody that's appointed by God. We have all these systems in place. He makes two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. The president does. We have all these systems in place to put this guy in power. Um, you know, and whether or not you believe in electoral politics, electoral voting, that whole system where the guy in power didn't win the popular vote but won the electoral college. Um, you, you, you know, I think that's one issue. I think the other issue is liberal or conservative. I don't think we've had ever had anybody this outspoken about a lot of the issues that he stands behind. Sure. Whether it's building a wall, whether it's, you know, grabbing a female by the pussy, you know, a lot of the, you know, calling NFL players out of their names because of whatever, like, political affiliation that they have um you know i think it's interesting for anybody to to want to take that opportunity no, 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 so, you're absolutely right i mean when it comes down to it yeah um yeah i mean i'm with I'm, like when it comes down to it like i've been to the white house like, on a tour like don't get me wrong like being the president of the united states no matter who it is it is an honor I mean, I'll say, even even though even though when it comes down to it, we you know everyone has their different political beliefs. Yeah. But for me, being I, I, I've always loved history. Uh, history was one one of my favorite subjects growing up, and so as you can hear it in the background, yes, we're on Facebook. Um, when it comes down to it, like I've always like no matter who. I mean, I hear what you're saying about it doesn't matter who's in the White House, or you know, it, it to me just going to the White House just being there, it is an honor because I mean, hey, look, I mean, how many times it isn't isn't it isn't the place where a lot of you know the public gets to go into and you know walk around and and be like, oh, there goes the president making make himself a damn sandwich. You don't see that, but when it comes down to it, like you won you won a championship, you know, you won a major championship, you won a, you won the Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl in fifty years for a. Uh, for, for the Kansas City uh, yeah. Chiefs, you know. So, I mean, it is, it is to me, it's a great honor. 
but I understand why people may or may not go because of who's in there. But I, I feel that if you if you did win that honor, just go. I mean, you don't have to go shake the man's hands. Just go and, and take some pictures. I think there's like yourself. an inherent contradiction that comes with backlash players receive for not going mm-hmm. because especially in today's age with social media I, I think it's been such a powerful tool and platform for players to be able to put their own narrative out there because before you know it, if this was done in the 90s or in the early 2000s or you know in the early 2000s and a player didn't go to the white house professional sports franchises could easily leak a story to the media and basically create this image of, you know, this player not wanting to participate in team activities or, you know, this player conducting himself in a, in a way that was detrimental to the team. And so we don't see those type of things as frequently as we used to um, because a guy can go on Twitter and basically share his side of the story. Um, and, you know, there's so much um, power that's there. And in terms of just like, you know, there's a crowd that says, keep politics out of sports. And so, I mean, I don't even know, when when did athletes start visiting the White House after winning a professional sports championship? It's been going on for a while. Yeah. Um, because I remember, I mean, honestly, going to the White House, it's it's been around, it's, it's been a while for a while. Yeah. Because I remember, let's see, Jerry Rice, who might have been after the Niners won, Third Super Bowl against the Bengals, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. So they asked uh, Jerry, you know, you know, how come he didn't go that, you know, didn't win the MVP, you know, go to Disney, World, all that nonsense, whatever. And when it comes down to it, you can't, yeah, it, it, it goes, it, it goes back a while, and I think it really started. I think honestly, it started with Nixon because it goes back to the college football, where where it was the president at the time. That picked the national champion between, yeah. um, I think it was Arkansas, Alabama, and uh, I forgot who it was, but Alabama was the national champion, and um, and it was appointed by the president. Yeah. So I think when that when that happened, when the president invited them to the White House, I think that that started off the tradition of meeting yeah. the president. And that's the thing, like I don't I don't fault any player for wanting to go to the White House. I honestly sure. don't care whether or not a player goes to the White House, but I'm I, I think my my in general my thing is that if you know if like ignorant people out there are going to say and tell athletes to stick to sports and stay out of politics. Stay in your lane. Yeah, then they shouldn't have any obligation to go visit the White House, whoever, you know, is occupying that seat. You know, they there shouldn't be any backlash. This shouldn't be looked at as an opportunity because if you're asking, you know, you're telling players to stick to sports and all of a sudden they have an opportunity to visit the White House, which is you know, the headquarters for politics in this country, then they shouldn't have any backlash when they say, I don't feel like going, whether it's whether it's Barack, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it was George W. Bush, like, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And I think in this age, we're going to start seeing more and more guys who don't want to go to the White House after a championship, and and I don't have any issue with that. Matter of fact, it's funny you say it because uh, I believe in 20, 2011, the Boston Bruins uh, um, in uh, Major League Hockey had um, had won the Stanley Cup, 
and it was a big thing. I believe their center, uh, excuse me, their goalie, Tim Thomas, did not want to go to the White House. He opted not to go. Eric, the whole other, the rest of the team went, but he was the only one that didn't go. And I, I mean, it was more so because maybe, like I say, personal beliefs, whatever. But you know, the, you're right. There will be, you know, more. I, honestly, I, it, again, it doesn't start with forty. It didn't start with forty-five. Okay. I mean, even though exactly, you know, we'll we'll say that it didn't start with with, with forty-five. You know. The backlash. The and backlash. The, and I think it's it's gotten heavier. Public opinion and yes, all that. Yes, it's gotten yeah. heavier because he's in office now. But yeah, like I said, Tim Thomas, who happens to be who happens to be white, did not want to go to the White House in 2011. And remember, Obama was still in office at that time. So you can say that maybe he didn't want to go there because you know just wasn't a fan of his political beliefs or the president, whatever, you know, you could, you could, you could, you could so many ways, so many avenues you can take it with this. But then, and there, there's so many different dynamics, whether it comes to like, you know, a, a person's religious background, a person's like racial background, like the way that athletes right. get painted in the media is different. And it, and, and I don't think anybody can argue that the way you get painted in the media will be different based on the color of your skin. Like, I, I feel like, you know, like we see it all the time, like Tom Brady, yelling at a teammate on the sideline we look at that as leadership and then we see des bryant you know you know like yelling at teammates on the sideline and he's being a diva he's being demonstrative he's being something that's not within the 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 the, the realm of how tom brady's being you know captioned um and so i think it's the same when you talk about like oh boy who didn't want to go see barack obama tim thomas yeah yeah who who was president at the time like was there a backlash when he did it? It was. I remember there was minimal backlash, but not as much as it as. And how was he? And, and on top of that, like, how was he painted? In terms of like, with did the media say anything about him? Was it a big story? Was it not a big it story? It wasn't as huge as say, as like, like were the people saying. Where the people saying he should be honored to go to the White House, this is an opportunity. I heard a minimal that I heard nobody a little gets. bit of that, but not as more as it is as it's grown over the years now. Yeah, a different president. Yeah, like I heard, like I well, you know, I heard from Tim Thomas that you know his political beliefs. He just was just wasn't a fan. You know, I like I said, it, it is your prerogative, but I think it's become more. Um, it's been more analyzed and more. Um, it's been overblown more so because of who's in office now. I mean, because I mean, even like I said, when it comes to politics with me, I I, I, I listen to both sides of the aisle. I listen to everybody. Yeah. But I'm not a, I'm not all about you know oh you know that man didn't go to the White House. Oh, he's on American. Now I'm not about that. Yeah. You know the president is who he, you know he does what he does. It is he is who he is. But I mean I think again going to the White House. It's an honor, it is, but it you you do have your own um, you, you you have your own way of thinking. You can you can think for yourself like if I yeah. if I really want to go, yeah, I would. But if yeah. I don't, then I don't feel like I should be ridiculed by anybody else. Yeah, and, and I, I think you know, and, and that's the thing. Like if somebody goes to the White House, like that doesn't necessarily mean that they're aligned with Trump or that their personal beliefs back that. I mean because. Travis Kelsey may never go to another Super Bowl. So the opportunity to go to the White House as an athlete for a sports franchise that won its, was it his first Super Bowl that it's ever won? 
Yeah, I mean, well, the second it was the second the first Super Bowl in fifty years for uh, Kansas City. Did they win? Did they they beat the Packers right, or did the Packers beat them? They they won. Okay, yeah, so that was their Super Bowl. Okay, then, yeah. then okay. Super Bowl four, excuse me. Yeah, and so like I mean, for that, I mean, it's a historical moment for them, and so it could be fifty years before the the, the Chiefs win another Super Bowl. Exactly, and so it's an opportunity it is to win a Super Bowl or with a championship, particularly a Super Bowl. Exactly, and some of these guys like you know haven't been to the White House, you know, may never think about going to the White House after this. So I don't knock the guy for for taking the opportunity to go there. Like I don't think he's. I don't know what his politics are. I don't care what his politics are. I don't, are. I don't like, either. I, I don't. I don't either. But all I all I ask is that you know, if you do, if you know, you win a championship, yes, you have free. You know, you have the freedom to decide if you want to go or not. I mean, it yeah. is a team team organized event. But if you feel like you're not, you don't, you know, don't want to meet the president, that's fine. Yeah, but still go. And maybe like I said, enjoy enjoy DC if you've yeah. never really been to the. Like I'm, I mean, if I was on the team, like I might actually go to the White House and be like, I don't really care to see Donald Trump. Like, I don't. Like, that's the thing. Like, I just want to be in a building. Like. I want to be in a building. I want to be in a room where, oh, oh, that's that's right. That's the desk that Bill Clinton did. You know, Mike Oh yeah, that's right. Like, on, the, on the weekends, man, you trying to you trying to go function? Like who, who birthday? I don't care who birthday it is. I'm just trying to be in the building. I'm just trying to be, exactly. Like I'm just trying to get in the door. And, and honestly, and that and that's what it comes down to when you go to the White House. You're just trying to be in the door. Go to the White House, get some of these free Big Macs. Wait, what? Are you serious? I can't. I can't get a chicken sandwich, like from 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 uh from from Hardee's or. Christmas. Well, I got to be chicken, man. Oh, I'm a chicken a chicken chicken sandwich. Okay, fan. Okay. That's why. okay. You know when a burger now a burger depends on where you now where, now where you coming from. If you're talking about a burger from uh from Five Guys, you're talking about a burger from In and Out. Well, when it comes to cheap burgers and sandwiches, you know, forty five is good for it. Oh I man, I definitely know this. So that's why so, I'm saying what now. What now? If you were a Kansas City Chief player, what what cheap burger option would you want the president to give you if you went to the White House? Chick Fil A all the way. You waffle fry guy. I'm a waffle fry guy. Probably that chicken sandwich from there is better than Popeyes. Oh, um, oh, oh, no doubt. I hope I don't get canceled because I know Chick Fil A has uh, been on record for supporting all types of like messed up organizations. Why do you think there's not a Chick Fil A in San Francisco? There ain't no Walmart in San Francisco. <laughs> you know, like it's, San Francisco is its own place. It could probably be its own country. Um, <laughs> but no, like serious, like when it comes to but, but it's a it's a weird place, bro. bro. They got such a large homeless population, and they have so many empty houses in San Francisco. So I'm surprised Moms for Housing hasn't uh, hasn't taken over. Man, over there, man. <laughs> Anyways, man, I, that 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 pretty much sums it Take up. Take five what, headlines. That's what we got for y'all today, man. Um, thank you for listening. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Plugged In Pcast. Follow me on Instagram at Chrissy underscore Hustle. He'll be back on and Twitter eventually. Just give me some time. I, you know, I'm gonna reactivate it before that 30, 30 day period hits because once it hits thirty days, they're gonna delete my Twitter account forever. Oh no, that's not like you I can't have that. I can't have that. Follow follow the homie. Uh, Joe over here at JLHB510. Again, that's at JLHB510. But don't forget, this coming Tuesday, Chris, is Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday. Oh, yeah, man. Y'all get out there. Go, go, go vote um, for these uh, nominees, your party's nominees, and, and, and figure out who y'all want on the ballot. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, everyone says that the vote doesn't count, but trust me, this year it should, it's going to count more than ever because, I mean, we've got, I mean, you want to talk about, 
you know, moving someone out of office, your vote, everyone must vote. You must take it, you know, must be serious about it. But, you know, we'll see. Super Tuesday, go to your local school uh, schools to, to, to vote. Go to your, you know. Your libraries your, or whatever, whatever libraries, places. Libraries, you, you know, absentee ballots, all that good stuff. So, you know, this, this Tuesday is Super Tuesday, so get out there and vote. Rock the ballot. And, at that, and for that, we are unplugged.